Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast and become a Coast Insider to hear the rest of this fascinating conversation and check out recent shows featuring guests sharing stories about growing up in a haunted house that was possessed by an evil presence, a nightmarish encounter with a UFO in the dead of night, and the financial horror stories from those who won the lottery and lived to regret it. Head on over to coasttocoastam.com and sign up for Coast Insider to hear these programs and many more truly thought-provoking shows from coast to coast. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Phil Hall with us. Let me tell you a little bit about Phil. He's an author of many books, including The History of Independent Cinema, The Greatest Bad Movies of All Time, and In Search of Lost Films, and also the weirdest movie ever made. He's the host of the SoundCloud podcast, the online movie show with Phil Hall, and his film writing has been published in the New York Times, New York Daily News, and Wired. He's also authoring the weekly column, The Bootleg Files, on the cinema-crazed website. Phil Hall, here on Coast to Coast. Phil, looking forward to talking about this new book and all the things you've been doing. Welcome to the show. Hello, George. Thanks for having me on the show. Now, how did you, an expert in cinema, stumble across the weirdest movie ever made, and that's the Patterson-Gimlin Bigfoot film? Well, there's a bit of a complicated story. I have my books published through a company called Bear Man Media, and I just had published a book, uh, In Search of Lost Films, which came out in 2016. And I was trying to think of something to come up as an encore for a new book. And I went to my publisher and I said, I have this great idea for a book. It's going to be called 100 Movies That Changed the World. And it was a, basically would be 100 essays of films that made significant contributions to culture, politics, technology, etc. And my publisher said, that's a terrible idea. He said, go back and just pick one movie and write about it. <laughs> and I went back to the list and I looked over the list and I realized my publisher was right because a lot of the movies that were on the list had been written about to death. We don't really need another book about Citizen Kane or Gone with the Wind or The Godfather. But on the list was the Patterson-Gimlin film. And I thought, you know, I've never seen a book about the Patterson-Gimlin film from a cinematic appreciation angle. There are a lot of books about Bigfoot and, of course, the Patterson-Gimlin film plays into that, but there's never been one that looks at this little 59 seconds of film as a work of cinema. And I went back to my publisher and I said, what do you think? And he said, go for it. And the book came out uh, last month on October 1st, and it's uh, available now on Amazon and all the uh, book e-commerce sites. And how did you get the title, The Weirdest Movie Ever Made? I was trying to think of uh, something that would make the, the book stand out, because in many ways the title is about one half of the book, because if the title can grab you, that's going to be uh, a great seller. But looking at the Patterson-Gimlin film, it, it is the weirdest film ever made when you stop and think about it, because you, you're looking at it it's like, what is this thing? Is this real? Is this fake? How did these two guys with no experience in filmmaking whatsoever wind up in the right place at the right time? And how did they wind up... Uh, just being there with this uh, this thing uh, on camera, it, it was just, it, the whole story is uh, is so odd. And then I started researching the book, and the story got weirder and weirder as I delved into it. And the, the only word I could really think of was was weird to describe this, and that's where it became the weirdest movie ever made. Let's let's talk about the film if you can for us, Phil. Uh, it happened on October twentieth, nineteen sixty seven. Kind of brief us on just what happened. What happened, there were two fellows from Washington State named Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin. Uh, Roger Patterson was obsessed with the concept of Sasquatches, 
and he had received a tip that there were Sasquatch prints in Northern California outside of the city of Humboldt. Uh, Bob Gimlin was a friend of his. Uh, they had both been rodeo riders at one time. They had both served in the military. Uh, neither of them had any experience in filmmaking, but they decided they would go down to California and see if they could film a Sasquatch in the wild. And they had a 16-millimeter camera, which actually turned out Roger Patterson uh, leased it from a camera store in his town and didn't bring it back, so it was a stolen camera. And they went to this uh, area in Northern California looking for the Sasquatch, which is something nobody had ever filmed before. Uh, they went deep into the woods. They, it was so far in they couldn't uh, bring their automobiles. They had to take pack horses to ride in. And lo and behold, uh, at a sandbar, which is known as Bluff Creek, they said they saw something uh, which had never been seen before and had never been captured on camera. Uh, Roger Patterson was on his horse when they saw the Sasquatch, which is why the first part of the footage is very shaky, because Roger was trying to get off his horse. The horse was uh, apparently scared while he was still holding the camera. He, he injured his ankle in doing so, but he maintained a good grasp on the camera and was able to film the Sasquatch walking off into the woods. Apparently, it was, uh, didn't really want to interact with uh, these two guys, but it made its casual way uh, out of the scene. It didn't seem to be agitated, except at one point it just turned around to look at them. Uh, in doing so, its arms spread uh, unusually wide, mm -hmm. which is one of the most famous frames from the film, and then uh, walked off. Uh, Roger and Bob were, had some plaster with them, so they were able to make plaster casts of the, uh, the footprints of the Sasquatch. And uh, they went back to Humboldt with their film and with their plaster casts. And uh, the rest, as the cliche goes, is history. I've looked at this film several times, Phil, and that scene that you depict that's on the cover of your book is a really strange, weird-looking frame, isn't it? It is, and what's weird about it is the creature, for lack of a better word, uh, is, that, is out of shape, it's out of proportion. It, it doesn't look like uh, a regular animal. Animals are beautiful creations of symmetry, and this thing is not symmetrical at all. The, the legs are unusually thick and muscular. The arms are, are far too long uh, to go with that body. Uh, the t from the forehead up, it sort of looks like a gorilla, uh, but it's it's walking like a, a human, though slightly uh, hunched over. And when it turns around to, uh, to look, you, unfortunately the film is, uh, is so shaky and blurry, you don't get a clear picture. But there seems to be a human-ish a human face, not a human face, looking back at you. And it's just, when you see this thing, it's like, what, what is this? And is, is this a guy in a costume, or was this actually... Mm -hmm. uh, a Sasquatch, which had been part of Native American folklore since... Uh, uh, the beginning of civilization. There have been rumors that Gimlin might have been in the suit, if there was one, uh, while Patterson was uh, taking uh, the film of, uh, of him walking around. Have you heard that as you were writing the book? I never heard that, and I'd, that doesn't seem very logical, because uh, both Patterson and Gimlin were rather short people. Uh, the, uh, the Sasquatch is a fairly tall thing, and... Uh, Gimlin is not a tall person, so if he was in the suit, he'd have to be wearing elevator shoes. Prior to the movie and the film and your book, what did you think about all these Bigfoot stories? 
that had been coming down. You know, writing the book was a lot of fun because I was a little kid in the 1970s, and back then you couldn't turn on the TV or, or go to the movies or open a magazine without seeing something related to Bigfoot or some sort of paranormal or cryptozoology uh, phenomenon. And it brought back a lot of very happy memories for me because uh, this is something which was part of the pop culture of my youth. And I always, uh, at the time, as a kid, I always assumed, oh, well, the Bigfoot's out there because it's, it's on TV. It has to be real. Uh, and going into this, I never really knew the story behind Bigfoot. And that was actually the most fun I had, is trying to figure out just when did Bigfoot come into popular culture? Because for me and people of my generation, it was always there. But there had to be a time when Bigfoot actually made its uh, debut in front of the American public, and then later, of course, uh, the world public. Who was William Rowe, and what was his role with any of this? Now, William Rowe was an interesting person because he was a construction worker in British Columbia, and in the late 1950s, he said that he saw a female Sasquatch in the woods when he was out on a job. And he described the female Sasquatch as having furry, floppy breasts. And this is important because when you look at the Patterson-Gimlin film, when uh, Bigfoot turns around to look at the camera, Bigfoot has furry, floppy breasts. Now, if this was a man in a gorilla suit, that would have been a little strange because back then, if you wanted to buy a gorilla costume, like they, they would have in the Three Stooges movies or the Bowery Boys movies, it was a male gorilla. They, they didn't have breasts. Right. But here right. you have a female gorilla with breasts, with fur-covered breasts, as William Rowe described it. Now, a lot of anthropologists said that Bigfoot was fake because if this was supposed to be a primate, primates do not have fur on their breasts. The female primates don't, whereas Bigfoot does. But then that also raises the question, well, then maybe Bigfoot is not uh, a primate, or if it is, it's a subspecies and is genetically different from the primates we would assume either in Africa or the orangutan in Asia. Even though the title is the weirdest movie ever made, what did you think of the movie itself? You know, it's I could watch this thing over and over, and in fact, I have. Well, it's uh, 50, 59 before. solid seconds, right? Fifty nine seconds, and you just can't get enough of this because, and that's the beauty of it because it's uh, it's a blink of an eye type of a situation. If this was a, a, a ten minute film or a fifteen minute or even a two minute film, uh, it would wear out its welcome. But it happened so quickly. And really, half the film, uh, half of the 59 seconds is, is, is blurry and shaky while Roger Patterson's trying to steady himself, or so he said. Uh, and there you see Bigfoot just walking away with that uh, brief glimpse backwards. It's, it's, it's beautifully, sh it's really beautifully shot, and it's, it really adds to the mystery of it, because if it was a clear picture of Bigfoot, or if Bigfoot was walking to the camera, or if, he, uh, if it was a longer chase through the woods, it would not have had the same effect. This, this happens just so quickly. It's like, oh my God, did I really see what I think I saw? I'm sure, Phil, that the frame has been analyzed and blown up and everything else by experts. Has anybody said anything about that? Oh, everybody has an opinion on that. There are people uh, who have studied this uh, film religiously. They've uh, had uh, motion stabilization software, so they take the shake out of the film so we could see what Bigfoot would look like if the camera wasn't shaking. Uh, they've measured it uh, with computers. 
half of the opinion is it's completely impossible for this to have been duplicated by a man in a suit. And the other half of the opinion is uh, it's a man in a suit. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a polarizing film, too. That's the beauty of it, too. You can't be indifferent to it. Uh, to quote uh, George W. Bush, either you're with us or against us. And that's the, the story with Bigfoot. Either you're with us and believe that this is a real creature, or you say you're a fake. In that case, then you're against those who are advocating for the Sasquatch. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.